I'm going to be reading the introduction from A Calvinistic Concept of Culture by Henry Van Til. The term culture has meant many things to many people. In this book, I use the term to designate this activity of man, the image bearer of God by which he fulfills the creation mandate to cultivate the earth, to have dominion over it, and to subdue it. It is an expression of man's essential being as created in the image of God, and since man is essentially a religious being, it is expressive of his relationship to God, that is, of his religion. So all culture, according to Henry Van Til here, is a religious expression. I believe that this is true. So, if someone comes and says to me, Jared, give me a working definition of culture, well, what are you talking about when you, you, when you say culture? Uh, my response is, everything is culture. Everything, the detrius, if you will, of man living is culture. If I go and I cultivate a field, I make a tool. The shape of that tool, the utilitarian nature of that tool, the effectiveness of that tool, the aesthetic of that tool is culture. Take that idea and expand it to everything that man sub-creates in creation in order to have dominion over creation. All of that, all of that sub-creation in its totality is actually culture. So when I say, how do we dominate the culture, there has to be an understanding in mankind and, and there has to be an understanding with the people you're relating to. There has to be an understanding that we have a job and that job is to rule over the earth. It has existed since Genesis and it exists today. It has been added to, it has been expounded upon, it has several addendums, and in biblical law we see the rules around dominion, how, how we're supposed to exercise the ethics of God. So, that is the idea. How do I dominate culture? Well, in order to dominate culture with that definition in mind, we shape people's imagination so that when they go out into the world, um, their imagination is shaped one way or the other, and an ethic is expressed as they go to take dominion or subcreate. Now, let's take that out of the ethereal or take that out of the uh, metaphorical in a practical way. Let's pick something that needs to be done. Well, we need to take dominion over the earth. Practically, that means agriculture. You can't escape that. There is no society that doesn't practice some form of agriculture. This agriculture can be, and I'm going to include fishing as part of agriculture. An agricultural activity um, requires us to go out and till the earth or to catch the fish. And you will be moving through uh, several interactions with fellow men in order to be effective in agriculture. So let's say that I decided to become uh, a dirt farmer in Kansas. I need to purchase the land. In order to purchase the land, I have to do certain things in order to establish and maintain ownership of that land. Once I get that land, I have to take tool, a tool, and go out onto the land and till it. 
then I have to sow seed on it, and then I have to harvest that seed, and then I have to distribute it to other men so that they can consume it. Then I need to make enough from that interaction, that economic interaction, so that my family and myself, specifically myself, must uh, be able to survive for the next cycle. When I go out and do these things, I pick a tool. It can be something like a John Deere tractor. I choose to purchase that John Deere tractor and I take it out to my farm. And now there's a specific aesthetic that my farm has because I'm using this implement. I choose to wear this hat to keep the sunshine off of my head. I choose to wear this shirt and these boots. My aesthetic begins to grow. There is a specific flavor now to my endeavor. The language that I use to describe what I am doing when communicating with other men is another part of this. The nuances are cultural nuances. They are agricultural nuances, but they are cultural nuances. They are a byproduct of me going out there and working in the hot sun. The conversation and lingo that I use with other farmers as well as with distributors and with consumers. This is my culture that I have created. And this culture is created in turn through something called your imagination. So when I go and I interact with the land, the dirt, the soil, I have certain ideas and certain problems that I am dealing with constantly. And my imagination is targeting these problems and solving them as best I can. And I am using something that is utilitarian, but there is something else. There is a dream involved in all of this. There's a hope involved in all of this. There's your imagination is involved in all of this. That is, I, I may be resenting my job, such as my relatives and ancestors did resenting this job. Some people romanticize this job. The difference between the two of them is that one has chosen to be cynical and the other has chosen to be um, gratified in their relationship to this specific job. This may seem like a bit of a jump, but when my grandfather, Jack Bauer, explained to his son, my father, William Bauer, um, the art of agriculture in Kansas outside of Norton, he said it was driving around in a circle for hours. And he told his son that he did not want to do that and expressed a great deal of disdain. Why is it that this was so despicable? Why is it that there are men that I interact with now who view farming as tremendously romantic? Well, in society, in the cult, broader culture that people have grown up in, their imagination is bent one way or another, and something is called noble or ignoble, basically arbitrarily, it seems, by quote-unquote culture or propaganda. The imagination is shaped to treat certain activities as romantic and others as unromantic. Now, currently in my society, there are those who view farming as romantic, and agribusiness as unromantic. There are those who view the making of movies as very romantic and the writing of books as unromantic. My question is, who decided? 
who decided that this was not romantic? Who decided what is romantic and what is not romantic? I had some men over to my house at one point, and they were all very affluent. And they came into my house, and they were very delighted at how minimalistic my decoration was. I had recently moved in, and they were delighted that I had no paintings. I had very little furniture, very sparsely furnished. And I had stacks of extremely well-bound books, beautiful things. And they came and they admired the only nice thing, almost the only thing, in the living room, a, a dimly lighted living room at that. And, and what they told me was that they really, they really admired my um, uh, sparsity, my uh, Spartan attitude. Uh, apparently there is a movement in the world right now that, or specifically in the United States, where you have a tiny house and you have a, a small footprint and you, you have very few things. And they assumed that this was what I practiced. In truth, I, I had never heard of this and uh, I had a confused expression on my face and so they took the time to explain what it was and I learned about it on the spot. This made me more virtuous in their eyes. Now my question is, how, how did their imagination get captured in that direction? Where did they decide that that was virtuous? Well, this springs out of a religious expression as they are cultivating the earth and as they are having these interactions. There's an entire movement that is not necessarily Christian that says, you guys should really spend less and do less and leave less to the earth and have less dominion over it. So what was it that captured their imagination and bent them that direction? What was it that influenced my grandfather to believe that what every generation of Bowers uh, since the covered wagon had saw as noble and worthy, and now he despised it, and squandering his, uh, his inheritance, he pursued other, other uh, endeavors, including a lot of gambling. But I return to the original question. In both of these cases, with my grandfather and the men that came to my house, something had captured their imagination and caused them to value one endeavor or one expression as noble and the other as, as disgusting. Humanity has the capacity to influence people's imagination. So we can, in a sense, inspire everyone to some degree to do one thing or another, then as a Christian, I believe I have a calling. I have a, a moral imperative. I have a missional imperative to go after men's imagination. 